You're listening to a Richwood Church podcast. I think there's a natural part in every one of us that wants to be recognized for doing good things. You know, that's why we have all these award shows. It seems like there's more and more award shows. That's why we recognize co-workers when they're retiring. You know, we give them a, a gold watch. Not here, we don't. Um, everybody likes a, a pat on the back. That's why we see donors' names on hospital wings and on college buildings and even on sometimes church pews. We all want to know that our efforts matter. And in this text we're going to look at today, in the Sermon on the Mount, we're going to see that, though there's nothing wrong with anything I've mentioned, that when you're seeking the applause of people, you're playing with fire. And a key question to ask when you're in the midst of doing something like that is, who is it trying to please? Is it trying to please people? Or is it to please God? And that question needs answered because in the kingdom of Christ, there is no such thing as split loyalties. And that's why it's always about pleasing God. So this text continues our study in the Sermon on the Mount. If you take your Bible, phone, or tablet, whatever you might have, and turn to Matthew 6, beginning in verse 1, we're going to see Jesus enter a new section now of his sermon. Matthew 6, beginning in verse 1. This section is all about rejecting the Pharisaic practices in the area of tithing, which is today, and then prayer and fasting, attitudes toward wealth, discerning whether the things of God are what we are meditating on, and then on judging others. So it's pretty lightweight. Not a lot there. But today it's about giving for the right reasons. And the Lord's words should cause you to ask, who am I trying to please? So let's read the text together, beginning in verse 1. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And so the backdrop of this discussion is the hypocritical actions of the Pharisees. These religious leaders of the time, they just wanted to be seen. That was their motive. They wanted to be admired. They wanted to be lifted up. They wanted to be seen as more spiritual than those who followed them. But in the kingdom of Christ, it's not about that. It's not about outward acts that please men. It's about inward actions, inward thoughts, inward attitudes of the heart. That's what Jesus cares about. And so that leads us to the first point. And as I studied this text, this became very obvious to me, that Jesus assumed that his followers would give to the needy. If you look at the verses here in verse 2, thus, when you give to the needy, and then beginning in verse 3, but when you give to the needy, tells us that he's assuming that his followers are going to give. 
Now, we don't know if Matthew was writing every word down as Jesus spoke it, or if this is just a, a summary of a longer message. Either way, it's, it's God-breathed. It's inspired by the Holy Spirit. Every word is accurate in the Bible. But what it does tell us is that there's an assumption that the followers of Christ in his kingdom would live generous lives and would reflect that generosity to the world. And so he would talk about this on other occasions too. One of, the, one of those famous times was in Luke 21 when he and his disciples were kind of mingling at the temple and all of these big givers were coming along and they were dropping their money in and you could hear it rattling around in the offering box. I read in a commentary somewhere that they even had signs to tell them how much they were giving. And then Jesus kind of got his disciples' attention and said, well, see that woman over there and this little widow and she's got two coins, not worth very much. And he said, that's how you give. And it wasn't because she gave a lot. It wasn't because they made a big deal. In fact, they probably didn't have a sign for that little amount. But it was because she gave all she had. It's because she sacrificed. It was because she was living a life of generosity. She fit well into the kingdom of Christ. And that's what we're all about. And that's what we want to do. If you look at 2 Corinthians 9-7, we can see that Paul was all about this. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And so the giving shouldn't be out of guilt or shouldn't be out of, you know, a sense of superiority. It's from a cheerful heart. But Jesus expects his followers to live a generous lifestyle. And it's not always just about finances. It's about giving of yourself to others. It's about giving yourself to the community. It's about just being available sometimes to mentor. But it's expected of us. Now, when people come and they ask me, when they're just starting to give to the church for the first time, they'll say, well, how much should I give? And I'll usually start by saying, well, it's good to start with something. Just, you know, get that process started, get in the habit of giving. And then I take them to the Old Testament 10% principle, which is a great place to start. It's easy math. But I know that as their relationship with Christ grows, and as they submit themselves more to Christ, they will ultimately give more. Because finances is just a sign of what's in our heart. And I know that's the case with me. When God is ruling on my heart, I'm, I'm very generous. When there are seasons when I'm kind of uh, in a, 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 a tussle with God, I don't give as much. I get cheap. I buy cheap tennis shoes for my kids and so forth. And they'll tell me that. And then we go buy expensive tennis shoes. And then I really lose. $200? Can't believe that. But here's the point. The point is, when we seek God, when we submit to God, giving will come joyfully. And Wendy and I are excited about what God might do in the next season in our lives. We would love to keep our Illuminate level giving for this next season. But that'll be an act of faith. It'll be an act of prayer. But it's exciting because we got a taste of what it was like to walk with God in a new way. And so it becomes a joy. It becomes a desire. And that's what Jesus is saying here. And so now he's going he's to go over here and he's going to tell his 
disciples and those listening how to give in the right way. Not to please men, but to please God. So he makes it clear that there's a reward, and you can choose. You can choose a reward from people or from God, but there's only one that really matters, and that's a reward from God. And this is that tension that's running through the entire sermon. Who are you going to choose? Are you going to choose the old way or the new way? Are you going to choose the, the way of the Pharisees or my way? Are you going to please men or are you going to please God? And he never leaves a middle choice. There's never, you can't just go to the fence in the middle. So the Pharisees had it all backwards. They wanted to be admired. They wanted to be praised. So they were shorting themselves because rewards were greater that they were missing. Look at verse 1 again. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. God isn't impressed by that type of giving. And it's so easy to fall into that trap because we all like an immediate feedback. We, we, we like likes. We like, you know, when people friend us on Facebook, we like that. It feels good, but it's a trap because the real reward is still waiting for us out there. And the Father has that for us. If you look at verse 2, thus when you give to the needy, Sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. And so the Pharisees made a big show of everything they were doing. And there really is no historical evidence that they actually brought a band and brought trumpets and, you know, were playing away. But what probably was happening, it's kind of fascinating, the shape of the offering box would have been such that when they lifted it up to show everybody how much they gave, it looked like they were playing trumpets. And so, you know, we don't know for sure, but at any case, what Jesus is saying is don't be like them because everything they do is a show. Everything they do is about how they look. And I think this goes to the modern day church too, is everything that I do, is everything that you do to make yourself look good? Is it a mask? Is it, is it hiding things that might be too vulnerable? The Pharisees wanted to be admired by everyone they saw. And that was their goal in life. And that's why they gave. And Jesus is saying, don't do that. That's the wrong motivation. There is no godly reward waiting there for you. The only reward that is given by God is when we do this for the right reason, to please him. And Jesus is assuming that we're going to give. And the point of verse 3 then is this. Don't dwell on those righteous acts. When you do, when you obey, don't hover over it. Don't wait till people notice it. Verse 3 is sometimes a little bit confusing because looks like it can't be done, but here's what Jesus said, that when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. And that seems impossible. You can't really forget what you've done, although I can at home tell you that I often forget what my right and left hand are doing. I forget everything, but I don't think that's what Jesus is referring to here. What he's referring to is take the correct stance in your giving. Don't linger over it. And the correct stance is this. It's to be thankful that God has been generous enough to you to have something to give. That's what Jesus is after here. 
And in 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 19, we see a really rich passage about this. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasures for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. And I love that phrase, that which is truly life. Listen, living for your own reputation, living for your own glory and advancement, trying to impress others with your Bible knowledge and how many verses you've memorized. I was mentored by this wonderful godly man when I was young, and the problem was is every time I would see him, he'd sit down and go like, how many verses have you memorized? And I'd say like one. I got 2,000 right here, you know, that kind of thing. I'd like to have a chat with him about that. When you take pride in, in how wonderful your kids are, Don't do that because you're going to be humbled. I'm just telling you. When you're always needing to be right, to be the smartest person in the room, and and we all know people like that. When you try to outpray someone with a long, fancy prayer with a bunch of words and phrases that nobody else knows, and you're doing it to look good, that's really all man-pleasing activities. And that's what the Pharisees were doing. And that's what Jesus is warning us about Don't do that because the Pharisees were letting life slip away because of the the fleeting applause of men. And Jesus is saying there's so much out there. That which is truly life is waiting for you. And Jesus is that source of living water. And so everything we do should be guiding us toward him. Because his water never runs dry. It never disappoints. It it never forsakes us. But the applause of men disappears drastically and quickly. And so we, we want to run to the author of abundant life who gave himself on the cross, who died for our sin, who atoned for it because he loves us and because he was glorifying his father. And so through a relationship with him, we can have eternal life. We can have abundant life. We can have the life which is truly life. So don't miss that opportunity. Don't settle for the false admiration of the world. Don't don't settle for that cheap, you know, attaboy. When, When you have an opportunity Give to God's work, don't linger, and move on to the next thing, because God is always watching. And he rewards those who give for the right reasons. When you give to please God and not men. And that's what verse 4 is all about. So I want you to look at it with me, because it's an important verse. So that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So in order to have this kind of discipline, in order to give for no other reason than it's going to be seen by God and it furthers his work 
then we must trust that, that there is a reward there. And God promises that there is and that God does reward your faithfulness. This is a promise. And nowhere in Scripture does it give the least bit of hint that we should be embarrassed by chasing after eternal rewards. Paul talks about it all the time, running for the prize. And one day we will all stand before Christ. And if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you will stand before him. But at the believer's judgment, it's not going to be about salvation. You're already taken care of. You are saved by the righteousness of Christ. But it will be about rewards. And the Father has promised rewards to the faithful Christian. And this is a really good passage in Scripture to help us understand this in 1 Corinthians 3, 12-15. Now, if anyone builds on a foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. And here's how we know this is for Christians. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. You see, the foundation that we're building in this life turns into rewards. Salvation is a sure deal, and that's so very important. But rewards are important too, or it wouldn't be mentioned so often in the Bible. And there's much debate about what these rewards actually are. But the point is, your Father who sees in secret will reward you. His rewards are eternal. They're not fleeting. They don't run away. And they're given to you by the one you love more than anyone. And so what a gift that is. So don't worry so much about pleasing people. And as I say that, I can think in my own mind how many times I live to please people. Now, the idea of secrecy is important here too because many believers are afraid that someone might find out how much they give. God's going to be unhappy with them. It's going to discredit it, you know, get you in debt in your reward column. But that's really not at all what Jesus is saying. The point of this is, is that he's challenging the hypocritical attitudes and actions of the Pharisees. They just wanted to be seen, so they were trading rewards from heaven for rewards from earth. And all God is simply asking you to do is give out of a pure heart, to give to please him. But sometimes it's going to be in public. And one man walked up to me after first service and said, well, aren't we to be lights to the world? Yes, we are. So it comes down to motive. Like if you're volunteering your time at a food shelf, people are going to see that. When you walk up to a Salvation Army bucket and you put money in when you're going into the store, people are going to notice that. If, if you drop off toys at a Toys for Tots location, they're going to see you donating. And many times when you're giving to the church, churches track your giving, not for reasons of being punitive, but it will help them and it will help you because people will pastor people that are having a hard time giving. And so there's nothing wrong with publicly giving. 
It's when it crosses over into a prideful thing, when it crosses over into being something that we hold over other people, that it becomes dangerous and violates the Lord's command. So God rewards those who give for the right reasons. And so when you're giving, ask those questions of yourself. What is my motive for doing this? You know, I can think, you're sitting in small group, and you're having a discussion, and it comes time to be vulnerable, and you're clamming up, and you can ask yourself, why am I afraid to share that? Is it because it's not appropriate, or is it just because I'm scared of what people are going to think of me? And a lot of those actions come from that fear. But God is watching. God is faithful. So finally, I would say this. You can find great joy when you give for the right reasons. And that's what Paul was after. He, he wants this to be a joyful experience to live a life of generosity in all areas of your life. Because giving isn't meant to be a chore. It's meant to fill your soul. It's meant to be done so that God's kingdom moves forward and people who are created in his image can live lives of dignity. And so that the gospel can reach into to poverty and can reach into racism and can help people live with the kind of dignity that bestowed on a person that's made in the image of God. But it all comes down to the motive. And that's what the Pharisees were missing. And the, the Sermon on the Mount shows us that in the Lord's kingdom, it's all about the heart. And I know that's so hard for us because everything we do is, is outside in our works and, and we want to show people that, but it's all about what's in here. So the question to be answered is, where are your loyalties? What are you giving for? Because in the kingdom of Christ, there really is only one answer. For his followers, it needs to be one that pleases God. And so, as we go to the Lord's table together today, this is something that, we, something that we can really meditate on and we can think about because it's convicting. And the words of Christ are the words of Christ. So he's not asking. He's commanding. Thank you for joining us on the Ridgewood Church Podcast. For more faith-based resources or information about Ridgewood Church, visit us at myrwc.org.